Welcome to the I Want to Know podcast. I'm Josh Spector, and I am your host. If you don't know who I am, I'm the creator of the For the Interested newsletter, which you can check out at fortheinterested.com. If you're new here, this podcast exists for a simple reason, to help creative entrepreneurs get their questions answered. Here's how it typically works. In each episode, a guest comes on and asks me three questions. Then we have a 10-minute conversation about each of them, and that's it. Hopefully, they get their questions answered, and everyone who's listening gets some tips and tactics they can use to grow their audience and business. But today's episode is going to be a little different. This is one of my special flip the script episodes where instead of people coming on and asking me questions, I have brought on a special guest whose expertise I want to learn from. And I am going to ask her three questions. And I'm super excited to do that because today's guest is someone who is an expert in something I know very little about, but get asked about all the time. So my guest today is Jane Friedman. Jane has spent nearly 25 years working in the book publishing industry with a focus on helping authors succeed in the business. She reports on publishing trends in her email newsletter, The Hot Sheet, for an audience of more than 2,200 paid subscribers. Her latest book is The Business of Being a Writer from the University of Chicago Press. I am a huge fan of Jane's newsletter. We have never actually spoken before, but we have gone back and forth on Twitter and in other places. And anytime I have a question about publishing and authors and all that, she is my go-to person to ask. So. With all that in mind, hey, Jane, welcome to the show. Thank you. I am super excited to give you questions and try to give you some questions that you haven't heard 8 million times before. Well, I'm sure you have because I'm not even a publishing expert and I feel like I get asked these questions all the time. But so let's start here. The first thing I want to know, well, actually, let me back up a second. There's something on your website on your about page that I read that I thought was really great and makes you kind of the perfect person to answer this question. You said, I sit at the intersection of several communities, which gives me a 360 degree view of the changes now shaping writing and publishing. People working inside the industry see me as an expert in digital and self-publishing, while independent authors see me as a traditional publishing figure. So the obvious question becomes, how do writers decide whether they should pursue a traditional publisher or whether they should self-publish? Let's start there. And then I'm going to follow up with some stats about what actually people can expect when they go either route. But so where do they, where do they start? How do they decide whether they should try to self-publish or get a publisher? Well, first I'll be honest, which is sometimes you don't have a choice between <laughs> the two because it's not easy to get a traditional publisher on board. You know, a traditional publishing means you're getting paid in advance. The publisher is undertaking all financial risk. And it also takes just a lot of time that some people aren't willing to put in. Now, the reason you might go to the trouble of trying to get a traditional publisher interested is that if you really want nationwide distribution to you know, retail outlets, to brick and mortar, mm -hmm. publishers can do that. If you want attention from the mainstream media, if you want to try for national media coverage, a book publisher, a traditional publisher has those connections in place. And it just hel it helps open doors when you have mm -hmm. them on board. And personally, if I'm working with a traditional publisher, I really want an editor who's going to take my work to the next level. It's difficult to do that all by yourself, even if you're hiring a freelancer. I usually the editor at the publishing house is hugely invested in seeing you and your work succeed. And it's hard to buy that on a freelance basis. And then I'll mention, you know, some people want a traditional publisher for the prestige or the status mm -hmm. that it can confer, you know, depending on what sort of publisher we're talking about. But I don't think that's a great reason. 
actually, Mm -hmm. unless you know how to harness that for your own end, that you know that it's going to open those doors that I mentioned. So on the flip side with self-publishing, it's great when you want absolute control. So you want control over the package, the pricing, the title, the cover, when it's going to release. Traditional publishing takes about one to three years on average from beginning to end. Some people don't realize how slow it actually is. So speed is of the essence, then self-publishing is the way to go. Um, I would imagine that speed part also is a huge component depending on what kind of book you're writing, right? right? How timeless is it? Are you writing about something that three years from now, the world's going to be in a completely different place by the time it comes out? Exactly. Yeah. So if you want to write a book on NFTs, I don't know that I would go the traditional publishing route. Right. Do you think, you know, you mentioned that some of that decision is obviously made by uh, necessity, right? It's easy to say, oh, I'm going to go the traditional publisher route. But if nobody wants you, you're not going to go the traditional publisher route. Do you think, is it getting increasingly harder and more difficult to get a traditional publisher? I mean, it's never been easy, but what's that trajectory like these days? I think there's more competition than ever, and authors are more capable than ever. Like, there's just so many more resources and places to learn how to improve your writing that didn't exist when I first Mm -hmm. got into the industry. Like, there's the internet. Yeah. So I think while the same number of books, more books really are being published by traditional houses, it can be hard to get them to take on your work because they're also focused on things like platform, some sort of evidence that you're already doing well in the market. Um, Mm -hmm. So there are just all of these different factors that come into play today that might not, not they wouldn't have been a factor, let's say, in the 90s or before that. Well, I was going to say that's the that's the irony, right? The more the less you need a traditional publisher, the more the traditional publisher wants you, right? Yes, that's exactly I, I, true. I assume. And it's funny because I used to work in the comedy industry, and it was the same way, right? It was like, well, the more you were able to sell tickets to your own show, the more interested the comedy club or the venue was in in booking you, because it's like, well, you can sell, you can bring your own audience to it. So let me let's get into a little bit. Uh, well, actually, before I get into the numbers, let's talk about genre as relates to this question. Are there certain genres that in general, you're better off going the self-publishing route or better off going the traditional publishing route? How does that play out? When you look at the self-publishing authors who are really succeeding and like making six figures, they're generally writing commercial fiction and in very particular genres. So like science fiction, fantasy, mystery, thriller, suspense, romance is the biggest by far. Mm-hmm. Now, there are nonfiction authors who do very well self-publishing, but when you look at, you know, where the discussions are happening in the communities surrounding self-publishing, it's, it tends to be fiction-oriented. Why do you think that is? Because there's such huge, voracious reader demand mm-hmm. for commercial fiction. Like, there are readers who will consume several books a week in their favorite mm-hmm. genre. And so it's like, there are people who write commercial fiction and self-publish it will typically produce multiple titles per year. Um, I mean, they really treat it like a job and it's Mm -hmm. feeding that demand. And there are also platforms in place like Amazon Kindle is the big one where people go there to find their next read. And with nonfiction, Mm -hmm. it tends to be more platform driven and people have this specific problem that they're facing and there's a lot of free information out there and you may choose to solve your problem, not through a book, but through a course or a YouTube video or a podcast. 
Do you feel like with nonfiction, if I if I wanted to go, let's just say, and this is a complete hypothetical, I'm not doing this, but let, let, let's say I wanted to write a nonfiction book. I wanted to go the traditional publisher route. Does it need to be, as far as sort of niche or topic goes, does it need to be broad enough, sufficiently broad to get a publisher interested, right? So for example, let's say I was like, I want to write a book about how to create a great newsletter. Will a traditional publisher look at that and go, eh, that might be a big niche, but for us, it's kind of too small a niche. We'd rather have, you compare that and obviously it's like comparing it to Grand Slam, but like you compare that to James Clear, who's writing about habits and it's like, that's a much broader audience than newsletter. How important is sort of being broad enough if you want to go the traditional publishing route? Well, the frustrating answer is it depends. It depends on the size of the publisher. So James okay. Clear is with one of the really big New York mm. houses that they do tend to like the books that they feel like can break out on a, a national level, like Atomic mm. Habits. But there are other publishers that really go deep in a very particular niche or community. Like there are tech publishers like O'Reilly would, would be mm. a classic example. And they're not afraid to get into the minutia of those communities and they will publish books on very fine, narrow topics. So it kind of depends on what sort of publisher you're going after. That said, I do think a general challenge for nonfiction authors is that they try to make their book for everyone or anyone. Yeah. And publishers don't really like that. They want to see that, you know, that you have a voice or a style that's really targeting a specific type of reader. Yeah. So talk to me about, that's a great point about the sort of smaller publishers, because even me, it's like, I don't really think about like, well, yeah, yeah, but there's all these other smaller publishers that even saying going the traditional publishing route doesn't necessarily mean massive, huge publisher. Right. Talk to me a little bit, and I know the answer to this is also going to be, it depends, but talk to me a little bit in general about the financial aspect of this. In general, what can people expect? And I'm not talking about your best-selling author. Or you, you know, I'm not talking about James Clear's next book. But let, let's say it's like you're a first-time author and you're lucky enough to maybe get an offer from a traditional publisher or you might self-publish it. What do kind of the economics realistically look like in terms of what you could expect to get either as an advance or royalties or kind of what's the money piece of this? Yeah, it's probably similar. So there's this statistic that gets repeated again and again in many different ways. And it comes from BookScan, which tracks print book sales in the United States. And the statistic is always similar wherever it gets regurgitated. Somewhere around 90% of books published each year don't sell more than 2,000 copies. Mm -hmm. And people are all like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> no, and that counts traditional and self-published? It's... I would say that's an average of traditional publishing for the most part, or books that get ISBN numbers, which is kind of the okay. official way we track books, Right, but mostly traditional. So mm -hmm. if you were to lump in like the more than 1 million titles that are published Right, that number's year, going down, yeah. it's not going up. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, often publishers, traditional publishers don't expect your advance to be earned out, like 80% mm -hmm. of books. Don't earn out their advance. You never see a royalty check. And the average advance isn't that big. Like even the big mm -hmm. houses aren't regularly paying out of the five figures for most of the titles that they take yeah. on. I would say if you're an unknown fiction author, but you have a really great book idea and you have 
some sort of a following, $20,000, maybe $50,000 if you're doing really well for an advance. Mm -hmm. Fiction, it tends to go lower. Four figures for a book. Right. But again, there are lots of variables. I'm just, I'm yeah. trying to reduce people's expectations. So right. you will not right. be disappointed. Right. Right. With a publisher knowing that, you know, like you said, 80% of them, they're not going to get that. They're not going to earn that advance back. Are they doing it just hoping that sort of they'll find the hits and the hits will pay for mm -hmm. the misses? Yeah. Or are they also with a sort of newer author placing a bet and going like, okay, like, the first one's probably not going to earn back, but this person's talented. And I think we want to be in business with them and we'll get there. Or is it a combination of the two? I mean, unfortunately, it's mostly the first where yeah. they're just throwing things at the wall. Let's see what they're stick. playing roulette. They're playing yeah, the best exactly. and hoping something hits. That's exactly right. Now, one hopes that there's some of the latter, that there's some of it that's investment in the long term, but that the biggest publishers are not known for doing that. Right. You, you mean big media companies don't think long term? <laughs> Shocking. Great. Okay. Well, that's all super helpful. So let's get to my next question for you. And this goes directly to all the people who are listening and are like, all right, well, forget this traditional publisher thing. I'm going to go put my own thing. I'm, I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to put it out there. So what I want to know is if someone self-publishes their book, what do you think are the three most important things for them to get right in order to quote unquote succeed? And I don't just mean maybe like get, like you said, this isn't just about getting rich. But however they define success, what three yeah. things do they need to get right? Well, first, you need a book that's quality, quality mm. in the eyes of your target reader. So it is a bit of a moving target. You have to know who you're trying to appeal to. That's a prerequisite to just everything else. If the book is flawed or slapdash, it's just going to sink like a stone because no one will recommend it. But publishing is still largely driven by word of mouth and recommendations. So you really want someone after they finish the book to go and recommend it to someone else without reservation. And quality is the way that you do that. Mm -hmm. So then second would be to know if your book is quality. I want to go back to the audience issue. You have to know who you're writing for. Mm -hmm. And I'll just echo what I said earlier. The audience shouldn't be anyone and everyone. You have to be pretty focused and disciplined. And also think about how are you going to reach that audience if you don't mm -hmm. already? Some people think something magical happens when they publish a book and the audience shows up. Not really. Mm -hmm. You could, I guess, try and launch a huge advertising campaign through social media, but it's tough. Yeah. But knowledge of the readership, no matter how you plan to market and promote, just affects so many important decisions. What will you title it? What will the cover design look like? How are you going to price it? Where do you want to distribute? Should you do an audiobook edition? So a book's a product like any other, and it requires that level of market awareness to be mm -hmm. successful. And so to that point, the third thing I would mention is that you have to understand comp titles. So this is industry terminology for your competition, your comps. What are the go-to books in your category already? Who are the go-to names? What do they get right? What are their weaknesses? What are they missing? So you need to be able to position and package the book so it looks like the other successful stuff that's already sitting on the shelf. But you also need to convey why readers might want your book, what's the way that it stands out or addresses a problem that hasn't been successfully tackled by the other competing titles. Could you talk through, I think that's great advice and it's funny because it echoes something that that I believe as well. Like I, I think positioning and packaging is so important with anything, not just books, but 
whatever it is, courses, newsletters, your blog, yeah. whatever it is, consulting, coaching, yes. whatever you're doing, that, that positioning is so important. I'm curious. So let's say there was an author who was going to write, you know, or wrote a romance novel, a mystery, whatever it was, right? And let's say they set out, maybe ideally they'd be more strate you know, strategic from the beginning, but I'm guessing lots of people, especially in fiction, are like, I'm inspired to write this story, mm -hmm. right? So I've got this story. Now I want to try to publish it. How would you recommend them try to figure out kind of positioning themselves? Like study, it's one thing to, let's say I wrote a mystery novel. It's one thing for me to look at other mystery novels, but how do I figure out where mine fits and how I make it a little different at kind of after I've already written it? Or is it too late at that point? <laughs> In some regard, it's a little too late if you've already mm. written it, but the self-publishing community has gotten very scientific with some of this research. So I'll mention a couple tools. I don't know if they'll be too yeah, that'd be great for folks, but there's a tool called Publisher Rocket. Mm. It's by a company called Kindlepreneur, which kind of, it's Amazon driven for the most part. So it's like mm -hmm. scraping data off Amazon and then giving you a window into what's succeeding by genre and category. And then there's a similar tool called Klytics, which is short for Kindle Analytics. That's mm -hmm. really just looking at the ebook market. I don't think I mentioned earlier, but for self-publishing authors of fiction, like 90% of your sales are going to be digital, mostly mm -hmm. ebook. So everyone's very focused on what's succeeding on Kindle in particular. And so those two tools by themselves, Klytics does genre and subgenre specific reports like the billionaire romance market. And it, he will break it down for you. Here's what the covers look like. Here are the keywords wow. that you'll see in the marketing descriptions. Here are the price points. Here's the average length. And you should, the reports are phenomenal. So if you're really interested wow. in succeeding, I, you need to see what's already successful. And then more, I would say most authors fail by deviating too far from the norm and mm -hmm. what people expect rather than they're not different enough. Yeah. And, and I would imagine just using that example that, you know, let's say you write, a, you know, you write a mystery romance novel that has a billionaire character and you might, let's say it's a female billionaire. The difference between doing that kind of research and looking at it and going, well, do I want to position this as a female mystery or do I want to mm -hmm. position this as a billionaire mystery? Right. Same story, but that can make a big difference. And I guess having that data and having that information, that would be a way to sort of be more conscious in how you're, and obviously that choice then affects your cover, your description, yes. your marketing, your, all of that stuff. Yes, um, absolutely. And what would you do? One more question on this sort of self-publishing thing. Let's say that someone's self-publishing a book, they have some money to invest in, let's say they have $5,000, $10,000. I have no idea what the going rate for anything is, mm -hmm. but what would be, they have some money, but not a massive budget. What would be the things that you would say, these are the top things to spend your money on? Is it hiring an editor? Is it the cover? Is it marketing? Like, where would you put a sort of limited budget as a self-published? Two big areas would be editing and then cover design. Okay. As far as cover design, I think you can get a really great cover that checks all the boxes probably for less than a thousand dollars okay some of this depends on genre and what you're going for i think sometimes mm -hmm. science fiction fantasy can be more expensive because you might mm -hmm. be hiring an illustrator for editing that's where the costs really skyrocket because to get a talented editor on board to do an intensive edit 
like something that produces a meaningfully better book. I mean, that could mm -hmm. easily cost three, four or five thousand dollars and up. Now, it's possible that you can get an editor on the cheap from your community or someone who's just they really understand your readership. I would value that more than just correcting grammar. That's not going to help your book sell more. It's, you're really looking for someone who understands. If you make these changes, you're going to end up with a better quality book. How do I figure out if I don't have a pre-existing relationship with an editor, maybe have someone I trust who's like, this person's perfect. How do I figure out kind of who's going to be a good editor for, for my book? This is where I feel really bad for people coming into the writing and publishing community because there are tens of thousands of people just waiting to take your money and help edit your book. There's a million editors out there, right? Yeah. And they are not created equal and mm -hmm. cost is not necessarily correlated with value or quality. And there's no real way to know until they start doing the work. Like, how would you actually know if it's going to be a fit? So what I would I recommend to folks, and I do have, I should say, I do have a resource list I'm happy to share with yes. anyone who asks of editors I recommend as a starting point. But I would suggest reaching out to at least three, five, even more editors describing your project or using whatever onboarding tools they offer. A good editor has a strong onboarding process, and you can even mm -hmm. use that as a criteria for choosing because it shows that they've been around for a while and they understand right. how to filter out the people who aren't a good fit. It's important to compare and contrast because especially if you're new to all of this, you might not quite understand what a good editor-author relationship feels like or looks like. And what, you're, what you want is great chemistry where you really trust this person. You can tell they understand your vision. And they're not going to be changing the work so it's unrecognizable to you. They're going to be making it a better version of itself. So some editors will do a sample edit. Um, mm -hmm. In fact, the, I would say the vast majority will do a sample mm -hmm. where it's like 10 pages or a chapter. You might have to pay for it, which is fine. Mm -hmm. But then you can tell, are you enthusiastic at the feedback right. they're giving and you, you feel... Like, you did want they to, make it better? Exactly. Or yeah. are, you, are they giving you feedback that makes you realize, oh my gosh, I need to change all these things and I want to go do it right now because I see what a difference it will make. Cool. Okay. So let's get to my third question for you. I am sure that you get asked the same questions by writers all the time. Probably some of the ones I've already asked you in this podcast, but what's a question that you rarely get asked by writers or publishers for that matter, but that you think people should be asking you and what's your answer to it? Is a book my next best step at this moment in time? I think that particularly applies to nonfiction authors more so than fiction. With nonfiction folks, often a book is not their next best step. A book performs well when it acts like an exclamation point at the end of a very long conversation you've been having with your readership or potential readership, a conversation you've probably been having for years. So I recommend undertaking a book when it appears blatantly missing from what you offer. When people are asking for it, where's the book? And I don't mean family and friends who will say that every time you go out for drinks. Why don't you write a book? Ignore those people. They don't know how right. much work it is. You say you're a writer, but where's your book? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, those I people know. are terrible. So the people who who are your fans but are otherwise strangers to you and they're asking for a book, that's a great sign. A book is your next best step. Where writing and publishing a book is almost an act of service. Now, that's very nonfiction oriented. For mm -hmm. fiction, I think 
you can start writing and publishing as soon as you feel ready for some of the some of the downer effect that's likely to occur after Tracking publication because you think you're so excited and it comes out and then you have to deal with the silence that especially if you don't have an audience yet that no one seems to be paying attention. The sales aren't as good as you thought. And that can really dampen your enthusiasm for writing a mm-hmm. book. So especially in the self-publishing community, some people recommend not even publishing that first novel until you've got three because yeah. it just makes it a little easier to gain momentum. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not... I think, funny. that reminds me, I used to work in the entertainment industry and I was talking to a literary agent about screenwriting and screenplays. And he had said to me, he's the first question he asks whenever anyone, whenever any writer's like, oh, we look at my screenplay is how many have you written? And he said, if the answer is anything less than 10, he won't even look at it. Yeah. Because yeah. even if they're really talented, their 10th one's going to be better than their yes. first one or their third one. And like, that was just sort of an entry point for him. Yes. You have exactly defined why it's such a tough road for fiction writers too. I think a lot of people don't realize it takes until you get to number four, five, six, 12, whatever, to really find your space or get into a level of success that's going to feel satisfying. Yeah, I think it was really interesting what you said also about it for nonfiction, it's coming at the end of the process, because I think I see a lot of people that are doing it first, Mm -hmm. right? And they're almost like, well, if I write this book, and I think in some ways, and maybe it can be a good forcing function, they're like, well, this is going to force me to sort of think through what my system really is or what I really (laughs) believe about whatever. And I think a lot of people are also in the nonfiction space, you know, they're writing the book so they can get speaking gigs or so Mm -hmm. it can give them more perceived credibility or help them get clients. But I think that you're right. I think that like that idea that this comes at the end, and it's really interesting because to me, I get asked all the time, I blog and write newsletters and I've probably written the equivalent of, I don't know, five books over the years. And I've never really wanted to pull the trigger on writing a book. And I've never quite been sure why, other than I think sort of a lot of the things that you've talked about today in this episode, right? The idea that it's a long process, things change by the time I publish it, is it still going to be that relevant? I like the Mm -hmm. speed of sort of blogging online and and writing quicker stuff. But I also think probably, like you said, do I need it, right? Am I at the end of this, at the end of this thing? And I've even had some people say, oh, why don't you write a book? I'd love to write a book. I don't know. I see it differently, right? I don't feel like, oh, I need the book to give me credibility or to get speaking gigs or any of that stuff. And yeah, but I think a lot of people, I definitely can see that where it seems like there's a lot of people that are writing books and, but have you done anything Like what, I mean, what do you, okay. Let me ask you one more, one more thing on this. What would you say? So I asked you, you know, what's the question that not enough people ask, but what's the question that you get asked all the time that I would say is like an overrated or unnecessary. Everyone wants to know this, but you're like, yeah, I'll tell you the answer, but it doesn't really matter. You know, matter. It's, I know Seth Godin always has that thing where it's like, people want to know like what kind of pencil he uses. It's like the pencil's not the secret. It doesn't matter what tool I use. So I'm curious, what do you get asked a lot that you think is maybe an overrated question? A lot of people want to know how to protect their work. They're scared it's going Mm. to get stolen, either the idea or the work itself. And I do actually have a post I wrote in response to that. So I would so I could stop answering it each time. (laughs) Yeah, It's essentially stop worrying about this. 
Um, mm-hmm. So I would say that's, I, I don't know why people feel so fearful that, that they're going to destroy their market potential if they're, if they, this especially comes to light when I suggest that folks share ideas, show their work in public, blog instead of do the book or have a newsletter, any number, serialize your novel on Kindle Bella. And people are like, well, but if I put it out, that's going to damage the market or how will I ever sell a book if I give it away for free? And so there are like several different overlapping issues here. And it's like, it, it is so hard to get attention for anything, much less a piece of writing. If someone, yeah, if someone like actually wants to steal your work and publicize it and bring attention, have at it. <laughs> yeah, just- yeah, exactly. No, you should be so lucky. And it's fun. This is another one that I think is is super universal because you see it with business ideas. You see it in in Hollywood. I would see it all the time, right? Where they'd be like, well, I don't know. I don't want to pitch my idea or I don't want to tell you about my script. And it's like, no one's stealing your stuff. I understand there's horror stories about whatever. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. But like for the most part, like again, I would also see it when people are trying to negotiate initial deals. And in, in Hollywood, you see this all the time. Be like, look, you're going to get screwed on your first deal. You're nobody. Yeah. That's not your problem. If you, if it gets made, if it gets bought or whatever, you're now in the next thing, but you see people draw these hard lines in the sand of like, it's no one's going to steal my thing and I'm not going to get screwed over by Hollywood or by this business or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it just, it just holds them back. Like that fear is overstated and irrational. And the truth is, I think I've, I tweeted this at some point, but basically like I could give someone a foolproof greatest idea for a business ever guaranteed to work. And 99.9% of people would do nothing with it because they don't act on it. They don't follow through like this idea that there's all these people who are like, if I just had Jane's idea for a romance novel, I'd be making billions on romance novels. It's like that, you know, that's just not happening. Exactly. Um, Execution. Execution is everything. Yeah, no, I completely, completely relate to that. Well, thank you so much for this. This was awesome. And I know, uh, it's definitely given me a bunch of stuff to think about. And I don't know that I'd say it's encouraging me to write a book, but maybe that's a good thing. Well, Josh, uh, knowing your work and all of the writing that you do, I would say you're actually really well positioned to do a book if you wanted to spend the time and effort. But it's so much work. So it's Oh, so God. This podcast <laughs> just took a dark turn. <laughs> well, what's if people hear what they want to hear, right? So yes. I'm just going to hear the, no, Jane said I shouldn't write a book. So that's fine. I'll keep telling myself I don't need to write a book. So tell everybody, we will have links in the show notes and stuff to things that you mentioned, but tell everyone where else they can follow you, connect with you. Your website is like a crazy source of all sorts of information. So I strongly recommend it, but tell everyone where they can find you. Yeah, the best place is my website, janefriedman.com. And on social media, I'm always on Twitter at Jane Friedman. So reach out to me there as well. Well, you cannot find me in your local bookstore, but you can find my newsletter for theinterested.com slash subscribe. Uh, I do a series of video skill sessions. You can check out at joshspector.com slash sessions. Also, if you're a writer, there's one there on how to write your most successful blog post ever. So check that out. If you want to talk about hiring me to coach or consult you, go to joshspector.com slash consulting. I'm on Twitter all the time at jspector. If you would like to come on the show and ask me three questions and get a little free consulting for yourself, 
go to joshspector.com slash questions and you can submit your questions. And if they are good, I would love to have you on. And finally, if you're digging this podcast, please rate and review it and subscribe on YouTube and do all that other stuff that every podcast asks you to do. That's about it. Thank you for your interest. Jane, thank you for your expertise. And I will see everyone next week, hopefully. <laughs> have a good one.